Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Dress, the History of Fashion is a production of iHeartRadio. With over 7 billion people in the world, we all have one thing in common. Every day, we all get dressed. Welcome to Dressed, the History of Fashion, a podcast where we explore the who, what, when of why we wear. We are fashion historians and your hosts, Cassidy Zachary and April Callahan. Cass, it's Thursday, and of course, you know what that means. And I just want to say that we are back with our fashion history mystery after a brief hiatus. Um, so, so don't worry, they're going to keep coming. We just had a really full plate for a couple of weeks. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, please forgive the brief interlude, but we are back. Yeah. Um, today's question was submitted to us via a live video chat that we recently did with our followers when we were in. Dallas a couple months back. Yes, you may have heard our recent episode recorded live at the Dallas Museum of Art. And April, we had such a nice time meeting dress listeners in person. We sure did. Yeah, it was really awesome. And we thought it would also be fun to do a virtual chat with our Instagram followers. And we did this when we were in Dallas lounging by the pool because (laughs) let's face it, Cass, it was freaking hot in Texas. It was 103 degrees that day, but we braved the heat for you all. So Yes, we did. And we received more than a few great suggestions for episodes during that chat. And we will be getting to a few of them, no doubt, in the future. But today's query came from at RJ Bertrand, who wanted to know more about the history of, well, of all things April, he wanted to know about the cod piece. Yeah, and actually we've received like another one or two requests for it since then. So um, hopefully this satisfies more than one of you out there. But um, I was actually quite surprised, Cass, uh, about what I learned when I started investigating the history of the cod piece a little bit further. I knew a little bit already. But for example, I had no idea that there are a few variants of the cod piece and also that its function slash symbolism is a matter of some debate. Yes, in case any of our dress listeners may not already be familiar with this most curious item of dress, cod pieces were flaps or pouches worn over the male genitals uh, by European men from the 15th to the early 17th centuries. And it was a major shift in fashion, which necessitated this coverage. Going into the 15th century, men generally had worn a combination of tunic and hose, and the qualities and colors of the materials used could have differentiated one's social or economic status. But by and large, this was a look adopted by the majority of men in, mediev- in medieval Europe. Yeah, and this was also around the same time when we begin to see the emergence of the fashion system, which compels one to discard still useful objects in the pursuit of a public display of one's wealth. And acquiring new items of clothing was and continues to be a huge part of this fashion system. And this also is what drives the evolution of fashion silhouettes. And, you know, what was once fashionable will soon become outdated as the system pushes the consumer to purchase new and novel styles. 
Yes, and this is the case with the tunic and hose look men had been wearing for centuries. So suddenly we see a new garment emerge on the scene, and that is the doublet. For any of you who may not be familiar with a doublet, it's it's kind of like a fitted jacket of sorts. It's mm-hmm. often padded and quilted. And when the doublet first appeared, it hit somewhere around the knee, if you can imagine that. But as the Renaissance progressed into the 15th and 16th centuries, the doublet really began to shrink up, and it became shorter and shorter. Yes, and doublets shortened to the point where a man's groin region was now exposed, and a solution for covering the genitals was necessary. And this had a lot to do with the type of hose that they were wearing, and they were far from the fully fashioned pantyhose and tights that we all wear today. You know, cast which you kind of like pull up over your crotch and your bum, and it covers everything. Because at this time, hose were constructed of woven fabrics that were cut on the bias, and then these pieces of fabric were sewn up the back. So it was kind of like a tube of sorts that was worn on each leg, and they were held up by what are called points. So a string at the top of the hose would tie to another string just inside the bottom of the doublet, and this is what kept them up. The key point here being that they did not meet in the middle. The hose did not cover the men's nether region. So... (laughs) (laughs) Mind you, this is the pre-modern underwear era. Um, While some men at this time did wear an early form of underpants, usually made from linen or wool, this wasn't really enough protection. And this is where the cod piece comes in. At the time, the word cod was slang for testicles. And early examples of the cod piece are simple triangular pieces of fabric intended to cover the genitals. So by lacing to the legs of the hose on either side. So unlacing a side would allow for a gent to attend to the call of nature. I think, you know, you get the idea. It's actually quite complicated if you think about it. (laughs) That was their best solution at the time. And as we reach the 16th century, the codpiece itself begins to shift and in its shape and its form. It's no longer just a triangular flap, but now it becomes more of a pouch. And oftentimes it was padded and shaped as a sort of bulge. And once the codpiece achieves more of a structure to it, there was also extra room on the inside sometimes. And this is when men begin to use them as a purse of sorts, which is fascinating. (laughs) Cassie kept money and all kinds of other small personal belongings inside their codpieces. You seriously just took man purse to a whole nother level for me. So one writer from 1613 explained, quote, large and ample codpiss supplied the want of pockets. Once you unlaced the side of it, quote, made way to the linen bags tied to the inside between the shirt and the codpiss, these bags held everything they carried about them. Much like purses, we also begin to see the codpiece conceptualized as almost an accessory of sorts. By the middle of the 16th century, we see examples which are embroidered and even bejeweled. <laughs> Yes, you heard me. Bejeweled, because you got to bejewel the family jewels. Pretty much. I mean, this is also the time when we start to see the codpiece grow in size and proportion. And, you know, of course, there's a lot to be said for the phallic nature of the codpiece. Some have written about it in terms of symbolizing potency and sexual conquest, but it's actually a bit more nuanced than that, right, April? Right. 
current scholarship has shifted away from that interpretation a bit. Um, And when reading the primary sources of the era, it has revealed that the growing emphasis that fashionable dress placed on this area of the body was thought of more as being about defining maleness and by extension, male power. So the enormous cod pieces worn by Henry VIII, for example, might have been more of a marker of his authority and sovereignty than an explicit sexual boast. And sometime around the tail end of the 16th century, the cod piece began to fall out of favor. And this was really following the development of knit hose, which fit the body a lot better. And men around this time also began pairing pumpkin breeches uh, breeches with their doublets. Pumpkin breeches, also known as trunk hose, were, as you can imagine, balloon-like shorts of a sort. And while early examples have a slit at the front and can actually be seen paired with cod pieces, eventually they began to favor a lace-up clothes at the front, which, you know, eliminated the need for the codpiece entirely. And those pumpkin breeches you mentioned, Cass, moving into the first half of the 17th century, those baggy, poofy shorts would deflate in volume and they would become longer. They would become more of what we think of as pants today. They were, they were rather baggy pants, but but pants all the same. So by the 18th century, those pants have tightened and actually risen in length to the knee, and this is when we have knee breeches. This is what I actually really love about fashion history, when you can sort of track the evolution of a garment or accessory. I guess the cod piece can be considered both of those things. Yeah. (laughs) So, Mr. Bertrand, we hope this whirlwind tour through the history of menswear answered your question about the history of the cod piece, and hopefully it was helpful to some of you Next time you are in a museum and encounter the copious amounts of portraits from this era featuring men proudly displaying the symbol of masculine power. That does it for our fashion history mystery this week. May you consider a little power dressing in your ensemble next time you get dressed. If you'd like to submit a question for a future episode, you can DM us at dressed underscore podcast or email us at dressed at iheartmedia.com. We love hearing from you, and we have gotten some really great questions and suggestions, as we mentioned earlier, so fear not, we will address them as soon as we can. Yes, and also, we still have space for our newly added week of our June 2020 Dressed Group trip to Paris, so if you'd like more information, please head on over to likemindstravel.com. We have so many fun things in store for you, our listeners, so please join us. Thank you, as always, to our producers, Holly Fry. Casey Pegram, who is also our editor extraordinaire. And I think that we've put you through the paces, Casey, lately editing certain episodes. So please just know how much we appreciate all that you do. Yes. Thank you so much, Casey. Well, please tune in Tuesday for our full-length episode, Dress Listeners, and we will catch you soon. Dress the History of Fashion is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to your favorite shows. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. 
No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done.